You guys doing okay today? Good. Me too. <laughs> today we're going to take a a break. We're going to put a big pause button on the book of Ephesians. Pick it up back uh, next Sunday. We're in chapter 3. It's been really good. But something I said last week is just kind of stuck with me all week long. We were talking about the Jewish and Gentile believers and how we have the same access to the Father by that one spirit. Both have peace with God. Both have a relationship with God. Both have fellowship with God through Jesus Christ. Now, it wasn't always that way. It wasn't always the case. You and I as Gentiles, we were foreigners. We were strangers. But when Jesus came onto the scene, he changed everything. He changed everything. We who were once far away were brought near, made citizens, made members of God's household by the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus changes everything. I want to spend some time on that idea today. Today is going to be as straightforward as I can make it. Let's call today's sermon a tune-up, so to speak. Most of us in this room are on this journey with Jesus, and this world is always trying to get us off track. So today is all about getting that oil changed, the timing belt fixed, putting air back in the tires so we can live this abundant, joy-filled life that we've been called to live. You ready? All right. So I want to ask you two questions today. Uh, do you really understand how important Jesus is to the Christian walk? Do, do we really understand? So I'm going to ask a couple questions. Number one, can you be a, can you be a Christian without Jesus? No. What do you think? Okay, you're one for one. Can we be a church without Jesus? No. No. No, of course not. Pretty obvious answers to some relatively easy questions, yet I don't know if we always live our lives in accordance with these simple truths. For instance, it seems to me that so many so-called Christians can live their entire life with the mindset, yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I'm going to heaven one day, yet they ignore the very presence of Jesus in their life day after day after day, not praying to Him, not giving any time to Him, not reading His Word, definitely not talking about Him to others. This form of Christianity is quite common, pretty popular, right? It happens all the time. In fact, in this room, many of you have people in your lives who claim to be a Christian, but you would never, ever, ever hear about their faith in Jesus. They wouldn't be caught dead talking about Him in public. Do you know anyone like that? Maybe it's you this morning. I, I don't know. I've played the piano for dozens upon dozens of funerals, if not more. And often the loved one of the deceased will tell me how Uncle Bill or Aunt Betty or whoever it might be, they, they believed in Jesus, but they just didn't talk about it much. They just didn't talk about it much, which is code for they never talked about it. But they would say, but you just knew. You just knew they had a relationship with Jesus. And to be honest, who am I to disagree with that, especially at a funeral? You know, I, I'm not the judge. In my heart, believe me, in my heart, I want to believe that those people did have a relationship with Jesus. It was just a very, very, very quiet one. But as I read about Jesus in the Bible, as I read about the love and devotion of the disciples, of the apostles and the others who followed hard after Christ, I cannot imagine any of them being silent about their love for Jesus. 
I just cannot. Any of them. Being a Christian is all about Jesus and testifying to who He is and what He has done in our lives. He commands us in the Bible. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Go and teach. He commands us, go and teach. Being a Christian involves action. Being a Christian involves words. A Christian is devoted to Jesus in service, dedicated to reaching the lost. And a Christian is completely obedient to his teachings, ready to teach others to obey them as well. To remind me of this, uh, this week, during the week I was writing the word obedient on my hand every morning when I woke up. Just reminding me who I am. That I am one who is obedient to the commands of Jesus and I'm teaching others to be obedient as well. Think about your wife or your husband. How you can't wait for them to come home right after work or maybe if you're the one coming home from work. You can't wait to get home and to see them. And when they are around you, you share stories about them. Right? You talk about them. You talk about how great and how wonderful they are. I just had a meeting with my supervisor and I was telling him about Mary, my wife, and how proud I am of her and what she's doing with the worship team. I was, I was bragging on her. And it's because I love her. I do. She means so much to me. I talk about her all the time. She'd be no different when it comes to Jesus. We love Him above all else. And we should talk about Him and share Him with those around us. As Paul admonishes Timothy, he says, Preach the Word. Share the gospel. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Be ready to talk about Jesus. So being a Christian is all about Jesus. It's so obvious. But yet sometimes the reality of our day-to-day life just doesn't line up with this truth. And then I hope we understand that being a church is all about Jesus as well. Does anyone know what the Bible says about church? The Bible is not silent on this issue. How does the Bible describe the church? It tells us we're the body of Christ, right? In Ephesians 4. It talks about us being the bride of Christ. Paul mentions that in Ephesians 5. So church does not exist outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church and Jesus go hand in hand. You can't separate the two. But even back in the day, even in Paul's time, he's telling Timothy that people were deviating from what church is all about. Paul warns Timothy. He says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. You can go to some churches for quite a while without hearing about Jesus, without hearing the gospel, learning about him, growing to become more like him. Have you ever sat in a service where something like that happened? I'm ashamed to say I have. You bet I have. It's crazy, but it happens all the time. And and many of these churches, here's the thing, they're doing great things. They're reaching their communities. They're meeting real needs. But they operate, listen, they operate much more like a really good nonprofit organization compared to functioning like the living body of Christ 
the bride of Christ that he is one day coming back for. Church can so easily become this self-improvement warehouse. I talk about that often where we attend to become a better husband or a better parent or a nicer or a kinder person, more happy to, to come to feel better about ourselves. And whether we learn about Jesus or not, it's not our main concern or our top priority. That scares me. It does. Because when a church stops focusing on Jesus, you cease to be a church. You're not his church without Jesus. Often these churches, they start off with Jesus being the main thing. But as these churches grow and mature, they gradually make knowing Jesus or having a relationship with Jesus kind of just to be the elementary stuff of the faith. It's kind of the level one stuff. He's kind of just for the new believers. He becomes an entry level talking point. But then once you, move, once you know Jesus, then you can move on from Jesus to the really good stuff, they would say. Weaning yourself off that spiritual milk and getting into the meat of Christianity. Well, I'm here to tell you there's nothing meatier than Jesus. He's the ribeye or he's the T-bone, whatever steak you might prefer. <laughs> The more you learn about Jesus, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more your life is going to look like Jesus. And it doesn't get any better than becoming like Jesus. It's true on a personal level, and it's true for us as a church. So at LifeSpring, this is what we are up against. So praise God that we are fitted perfectly to the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. We don't deviate from Him, and I love that. I love this church. And I love church in general. I pray for the local church. I pray for all the Bible-based churches in our community because I believe church is God's plan A for reaching the world for Christ and there is no plan B. I love being a part of the church. Amazing things happen in a church that's obsessed with Jesus. In fact, all those things that I mentioned earlier, being a better spouse, a better parent, better person, feeling better about yourself, those things actually happen more in a church focused on the Lord than anywhere else, than any other good nonprofit. Because when you surrender to Jesus, when you allow Him to come alive in you, you are going to be a better spouse. You are going to be a better parent. How could you not with Jesus being in command of your life? You're going to learn how to love others with the love of Christ. And even how you think of yourself is going to change if you're planted in a church dedicated to Jesus. As you find that true identity in Christ, you're going to stop beating yourself up. You're going to stop putting yourself down. The Holy Spirit reminds us that it's all about Jesus. It's about Jesus in us and it's about us in Jesus. And in Jesus, you are forgiven, justified, righteous, holy, blameless, and you've been set free. You've been set free. And at LifeSpring, it doesn't get any better than Jesus. He's the end all. He's everything. All that we long for. And He's all that we need. So here's my challenge to you. Challenges always get a little, little sketchy. Some people hate challenges, but I love them. Start coming to church for one reason. One reason alone. Let's stop making it so complicated. Come to worship God. Come to praise God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Stop coming to church trying to get something out of it for you. Change that mentality today. Start coming to church for one reason, because He is worthy. Because He is worthy 
of our praise. Come to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to adore Him, to bring Him praise, honor, and glory that only He deserves. Come wholeheartedly surrendered to the King. And I promise you, if you come with that spirit, and if you come with that attitude, God will richly bless you. In fact, He's going to meet all your needs in Christ Jesus. He will give you a spiritual family. He's going to give you a spiritual community. He's going to give you a place of healing and restoration and reconciliation. In Christ, your life will be radically transformed as you attend His church. But only if you keep a laser-focused intensity on Jesus, keeping Him as your one true desire and the object of your affection. I hope I've made my point. If you're a Christian, you are all about Jesus. Let that be settled today. If we are a church, then we are all about worshiping Jesus. Let that be settled today. Our main purpose is Him. Acts 17, 28 says, For in Him, this I love this verse, in Him we live and we move and we have our being. That verse to me says that in Jesus, we have everything. Jesus is everything. And may we be grateful for all those blessings and all the benefits found in Christ. And may we be filled with thankfulness for all the ministries and all the outreaches and events. All those wonderfully delicious potlucks that we do. They are, they're just the overflow of worshiping Jesus, the solid rock and the chief cornerstone. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord Jesus... We don't want to just be a good nonprofit. We want to be your house of worship. We want to be a place where your spirit dwells. We want to be a place where all the believers are fitted perfectly to the cornerstone and that we would rise up as the temple of the Lord where your spirit dwells. Forgive us, Lord, when we go astray. Forgive us when we go away from what that is, Lord. I, I just pray that over every one of us, Lord, in our lives, and our families, and how we treat our spouses, how we raise our kids, in the workplace, and, and in the schools, Lord. Just forgive us for when we have made our lives anything about anything but you, Jesus. So we ask for you to have your way in us today. Jesus, you change everything. Amen. In fact, can we say that together? Jesus changes everything. One, two, three. Jesus changes everything. Without Jesus, there is no such thing as a Christian, no such thing as the church. But Jesus changes everything. There's several stories in the Bible of lives being radically changed by Jesus. Right? Cornelius, the centurion, he's one of the first Gentile converts. The apostle Paul, that's one of the greatest conversion stories ever. He's going to Damascus. He's got this list. He's ready to persecute the Christians. And bam, he has an encounter with Jesus. Leaves to become one of the greatest missionaries of all time. But my favorite story, or one of my favorite stories, is the story of Mary Magdalene. Remember Mary Magdalene? What was that book that came out that got all spicy and saucy with Mary? The Da Vinci Code. Ooh, that was spicy. <laughs> but Mary Magdalene, um, she was radically changed by Jesus. Her encounter with Jesus was the defining moment of her life. Every one of us has at least one or two defining moments in our life, right? Those moments in our personal history, it is that point 
where there's a before and there's an after. But every time we tell our stories, we reference that time. You remember every detail of that moment, where you were, who you were with, how you felt. As a nation, we have had some defining moments, right? 9-11, a defining moment. When we walked on the moon, the first step by uh, Neil Armstrong, that is a defining moment. We have those moments in our lives as well, personal experiences, whether it's when you got married, I always remember my, my wedding day, or a divorce, that's a painful defining moment, or when your first child is born, or when a loved one passes away. Getting your driver's license, that's a pretty defining moment. Kyla Ferris in the back got her license this week. You know the best part about that? On her signature, no joke, let her show it to you if you ask. See, in her signature, there's a heart. So from now on, she has to put a heart in all of her official documents. I love it. I love it. For me, a defining moment was last year when I watched my first Seahawks game at my house in high definition. It, I mean, there's before HD and after HD. It was amazing. But Mary Magdalene, she had one of the biggest before and after moments of all time. Her life is radically changed by Jesus. Now, if you read the New, New Testament, there are so many Marys, and it's easy to get them all mixed up. But I wanted to read some scriptures to help us discover a little bit about her story. So, Mark 16, 9, it says, When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Wow, that's impressive. He drove out seven demons. So, Mary Magdalene is someone who has been radically changed by Jesus. Amen? Right? She, he, she has been healed by Jesus. And Luke 8 it says, um, it's an account of Jesus and his disciples. They're going from town to town. And uh, Mary Magdalene is, is with them. He writes, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him. And also some women who had been cured by evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. So she's been healed, and now she's traveling with Jesus, right? She's supporting him and the other disciples out of her own pocket. She is now devoted to the one who has healed her. John chapter 19, she's one of the few people that are with Jesus at his crucifixion, right? It says this, verse 25, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And then a few days later, John 20, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and, and I'll get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. 
Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Do you see her life of devotion? Her life was forever changed by Jesus. He was the defining moment in her life. So much so that she followed him during his earthly ministry, was one of the only people who stayed with him till the end, a witness of his crucifixion, and one of the first people to see him resurrected from the tomb. Mary Magdalene had a personal encounter with Jesus that changed everything. When you have a personal encounter like Mary did, you become an eyewitness to his power to save, an eyewitness to his power to rescue, to heal, to transform a life. You are an eyewitness to the one who changes everything. An encounter with Jesus always causes a reaction within us, right? Good or bad. For some of us, it's a reaction to reject him. Many people reject Jesus, even betray him. But for others of us, we are moved to bow down and to worship him. We bow down and we worship him. And we also begin to do something else, don't we? We begin to share about Jesus. After encountering Jesus, we begin to tell others about him. We become a witness. A witness. Maybe a churchy term, but that's what we are. We are a witness. A witness to what Christ has done. In the court of law, a witness is called to testify. We are called to do the same thing. In my life, I have had the privilege again and again and again to testify of who Jesus is in my life. I love it. I am a witness to what God can do in a life. I've seen his power on display in literally thousands of people's lives. And I've seen his power on display in me as well. So I testify. I testify of his goodness. Mary testified of his goodness. Imagine the life she lived before Jesus. Controlled by demons. I know that's a heavy topic, but she was controlled by demons. Think of the darkness. Think of the loneliness and the bondage she must have experienced. But Jesus reached out to her and he set her free. He showed her compassion, mercy, and he showed his goodness to a person most people would have overlooked or considered a lost cause. Anyone ever feel like a lost cause before? You bet. But see, Jesus didn't see us that way. He didn't. In fact, Mark chapter 2, verse 17, he says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. You know what that means? It means he came for all of us. It means he came for you and he came for me. No one is too far gone for the love of God to reach them. No one. He came and he loved you and he saved you. And now your transformed life, it testifies to God's goodness that rescued a sinner that the world had already labeled as a lost cause. So your life testifies of his goodness and your life testifies of his power, of his power. Mary, she didn't have to tell her friends who she was before the Lord. They already knew who she was. But now she had to show them who she was after Jesus. And how did she do that? I just read the scriptures. She left her old lifestyle, didn't she? She left it. Basically, she used all of her resources to follow hard after Jesus, supporting his ministry. A radical change. Her life looked dramatically different after she met Jesus. How does your life look? 
For reals. How does your life look, Christian brother and sister? Does your transformed life testify to the power of God? Does it? How does your behavior, how do your actions testify to the wonder-working power of God in your life? Does it look any different now that you've met Jesus? At this time, I want to invite my good friend Nick up on stage. I've asked him to share a little bit what it means to live a transformed life changed by the power of God. I think you're going to love it. Would you welcome Nick with me? So, hi, I'm Nick. Um, So, Dan's asked me to explain how Jesus has changed my life. And I really can't, um, well, I couldn't, I had no idea really what to say. Uh, There's there's actually a lot of things I could say, but I figured God would just really show me what he wanted me to to say to everyone. Um, And... I guess the, really the biggest, I guess in one word, what I could just say is just how, it's just that I've, there was a difference. Like you can, you can tell who I was before I really knew who Jesus was and not just knew about him. Um, I was raised Christian, but it was just kind of the, the typical like, oh, I know who God is. I know who Jesus is. I know what he did for me, but I don't understand it. He wasn't a huge part of my life, um, even though I would consider myself a Christian. Um, similar to kind of how he was talking about, can you be a Christian without Jesus like, in your life? Um, who I was before, I really understood God or Jesus. And um, I was extremely uh, angry a lot of the time. I had a pretty abusive father. <laughs> Not, I don't say that for um, sympathy, but just to show the difference. And how after I became a Christian, like, the one thing that really stood out to me is how I was so easy able to forgive him. And, um, yeah, how I was able to forgive him and forgive a lot of people and not judge people for what I might see them at, at first as, um, and understand that there's a lot behind each person. Um, and, there, there's just more of a, a peace in my life now. And um, I've realized what God's brought into my life. Like, friends like Joe, I mean, that, and the whole Moore family, and, you know, being coming here, it's like there's a lot of blessings that come with following Jesus, where when you're trying to run your life on your own, it's, it might seem like you think you got it together um, to other people or to yourself, and then you just realize that, you are so far away from, you know, what you're meant to be, and it doesn't feel right. Um, and, you know, I never really got into, I never got into drugs or alcohol or anything, you know, of that kind of stuff, but it's still, I mean, your life still doesn't feel fulfilled when you don't have Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is. You'll look for anything, whether it's, you know, drugs, anything. It can, you'll look for anything, and you may look to yourself even, but... Um, yeah, I don't. Sorry if that was 
you know, all over the place. I it, really, I feel like just God was just speaking instead of me. I don't, I didn't know what to say. Can we give it up for the Nothing beats that for me. I'm good. <laughs> let your actions, let your words testify to what God has done through His Son Jesus Christ in your life. And this is where it gets scary for some of you. I, I get that, but you must share your story. One of the great things uh, that Ray has talked to me about is when people accept Jesus, they need to tell someone about it. <laughs> so many people accept Jesus and never get the opportunity to tell someone about it. And uh, being a Christian is hard. And so if you don't have that community that can hold you accountable, it, it can get pretty tough pretty quick. You must testify. You're a witness. The Apostle Paul says we're ambassadors of Christ. Share the story of what Jesus has done in your life. Share about those defining moments when you encounter Jesus and you are never the same afterwards. The most eternally significant moment is when you accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. When you surrender your heart to his reign in your life. It's the ultimate before and after, right? We once were dead in our sins. We are now alive in Christ. But I got to be honest with you. My defining moment in my life came long after I decided to follow Jesus. I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember, kind of like what Nick was just talking about. Many of you have that same kind of story. I mean, I wanted him in me as soon as I could get him in me. I, I've always loved Jesus. I believed in him as my Lord and Savior. But I will never forget being an 18-year-old high school student, going, driving up to the outskirts of Seattle to go to a passion worship night. I walked in not knowing what to expect, invited by my sister Joy and her husband Adam. And I experienced something that night that I have never experienced before. Everyone around me was singing with everything that they had. They were raising their hands to the Lord. These are things I was not used to. You think that's just who I am, but I was not used to this. But people were raising their hands to the Lord. They were shouting out to God. People were kneeling on the ground, praying. People were crying. People were sobbing. People were wailing. Wailing. It was one of the only times in my life where I heard wailing. The loudest, most painful wailing. I have ever heard thousands of college students being gut-level honest before their God. It was amazing. God was in our midst. And I cried out to the Lord. I cried out to Him from my gut. And I raised my hands to Him. I'll never forget the song. It was breathe. And I sang, I am desperate for you, Lord. I am lost without you, Lord. I didn't know it at the time, but now I know that night was actually a baptism of the Holy Spirit for me. It was. Everything changed after that night. I had started leading worship on Sunday mornings when I was 17, but after that night, it was a whole new ball game. My worship leading was different. It was anointed. Fruit began to be produced that I'd never seen before. So that night is a defining moment in my life. Everything in my life is categorized as before that night and after that night. I've had other defining moments as well when I was baptized in Lake Wilderness or in college. In college, when I decided to believe that the Bible was true, that it was the inerrant word of God and how after that faith step, the Bible came alive and it spoke to me like never before. A defining moment or I will always remember the time when God called me to be a pastor, defining before and after moments. You have these moments as well. 
I hope as I'm talking, you're even beginning to think about some of those moments. And they are a part of your story. Your story. The great thing about your story and your testimony is that your story is something no one can ever take away from you. It's yours. It's your story and it happened to you. Take Mary Magdalene, for instance. No one could convince Mary that she was still her old before Jesus self. No way. Her after self was all the proof she needed of her transformation. She had been changed. Mary knew she wasn't the same after being healed by Jesus. I knew I wasn't the same after that worship night. I just knew it. I was different because of Jesus. And you have your own before and after story. And you just know it's the truth and no one can take it away from you. And this morning, I'm here to tell you that your story is the absolute most powerful tool you have to share the love of God. And the message of Christ with the world Doubters can't debate it Skeptics can't refute it Haters can't argue with it It's your story Share your story 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 15 Always be prepared I love this verse Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone and everyone Who asks you to give you Give a reason for the hope that you have The best answer you got is Jesus Share your story of how Jesus loved you and how Jesus saved you and how he has changed you by the Holy Spirit. Share Jesus with those around you. So back to my original questions. Would you be a Christian or would we be the church without Jesus? We already answered it. No, no way. You are a Christian and we are the church all because of Jesus, because we have been a witness to God's goodness and a witness to God's Power, his transformative power demonstrated through the person of Jesus. And because of Jesus and because of all that he has done, our response both as an individual and as a church is to worship and to testify, to testify, to tell the world the good news about what the Lord has done for us. Jesus changes everything. At this time, I'm going to ask Joe to come back up on stage. I'm going to ask the ushers to start handing out pens and paper. While Joe plays, I'm going to give us time. This is how we're going to close our service today. We're going to spend time writing down a couple of those defining moments in our lives. Those moments when Jesus changed everything. Because here's the deal. This is your story. This is your story. And today, I believe God wants to remind you of your story. Your unique story that no one could ever refute or take away from you. Your story. He wants to remind you of that. So again, just write down one or two or three, whatever you got, of the defining moments in your life when Jesus changed everything. Writing it down is a powerful exercise, by the way. This time is not wasted In this time, we remember what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to walk away. Here's the cool part. We're going to walk away today with a physical reminder of our story. You can take it in your hand and listen up. My prayer for every one of us in this room is that this story wouldn't just stay on this paper. But I pray that this week, God would give us the opportunity to share our story. That we would have the opportunity testify of what God has done in our lives. We back up.